Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about the subject of rewards. Our God did mention on a number of occasions that he will reward people according to certain criteria. We have this recorded in the scriptures that he did talk about it on occasion. And so I do believe it's important to take some time to try to look at this subject and determine what we can from what we do have available. I don't think we have enough to know as much as we would like to know. But I do believe that there are a few things that we can point out when it comes to the topic of rewards and perhaps get a better idea with regards to what the Lord may be intending to do in the near future. Now, what I can tell is that there will be two different decisions. I believe there is enough to show that there will be a decision with regards to salvation and that there will be a decision with regards to rewards, that these will be two different decisions, but they are together in the sense that if you are not saved, then you certainly will not be rewarded, at least in the way that you would like to be rewarded. And so I would like to begin with the issue of there being two different decisions. And I think that this is important because most of the time when this subject comes up with the people who I communicate with, with the people who I talk with, the subject comes up as an alternative to salvation by works. It also comes up as an alternative to obtaining blessings by your works. People will say, well, you certainly are not going to be saved because of your works, and you probably will not be blessed by God because of your works, because according to the criteria of the law, in order to be blessed, you have to be perfect, and so you're not likely going to be blessed but you may be rewarded. And so it tends to be the third alternative that a lot of people bring up. And I will be spending a lot of time talking about this from that perspective, because I certainly do not agree with it, but I do believe it's important to be aware that this is something that a lot of people do genuinely believe, that it is an alternative to salvation by works and blessings by works. At least in this way, you can be compensated in some way by your works. And so I think that people will respect this as being a second decision, something that happens in addition to the topic of salvation. So to begin with, I'd like to take some time to look at some of these passages with regards to the judgment of God and the decision that God will make, just a few of them. In Romans chapter 14, for example, Paul was talking about how we relate to one another and that we should have an understanding that there are people who are going through different stages of growth in their Christian lives. To respect that and to understand that and don't show contempt towards an individual, towards one of the children of God who simply has not matured in the way that you have, that their faith is relatively weak. In Romans chapter 14, I'll begin in verse 10, it says, But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? 
for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. In other words, there's no reason for you to be showing contempt towards someone else as if you are the one who is going to be passing judgment on the individual, as you probably are doing at the time that he is referring to, that you would be expressing judgment because contempt is a form of judgment. You are letting someone know that you're judging them, that you approve and or disapprove. And he's expressing the fact that, look, we are all going to be judged by God, not by each other. And we should be aware of that. And we should understand that everyone will bow before him. And the decision with regards to salvation is going to be made according to a set determined criteria. And we know this criteria as he explained it as the gospel, the good news of him forgiving our sins so that he can restore to us the spirit of life that was lost in Adam, making us spiritually alive. In that way, we are saved. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says, How much more, having been reconciled by the death of his son, you shall be saved by his life. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, You who were dead in trespasses and sins have been made alive in Christ Jesus our Lord. I believe that there are plenty of passages that we can look to that do express clearly that the good news, the criteria with regards to how a person is going to be saved, has to do with sin, death, forgiveness, and the restoration of life. And it's not going to be based on our works or what we do or do not do effectively or clearly or to the satisfaction of you or I or anyone for that matter, that it is the decision of God with regards to whether a person is going to be saved or not. And we know that this is going to take place, that this will be a definitive moment in everyone's life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And in reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to me this passage clearly states that you are going to be judged either according to the criteria that I just described with regards to the gospel, or you will be judged according to the criteria of the law. It will be one or the other. If it is according to the criteria of the law, according to what you have done, whether it is good or bad, and you will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ with regards to salvation, well, then it's not going to turn out well because we will not have done that which is good to his satisfaction And we certainly will have done a lot of bad that could be brought up. And so in this case, we definitely have a verse that says there will be a judgment and that it will be either according to our works or it will be according to the grace and mercy of God. Another passage that I believe should be interpreted this way with regards to you're going to be rewarded and or judged according to your works or according to the grace and mercy of God is Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, where he says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Well, if a person has bad works, then they are going to be rewarded according to their bad works. And if you are going to be 
rewarded according to your bad works or your failures, regardless of your good works, whatever those might be, regardless of those, the wages of sin is death. You are going to experience punishment. You're going to be rewarded in the sense that you are going to be given punishment. There will be a decision for separation between you and your God. He is not going to provide you, quite likely, with entrance into heaven. And if he does, and you would like further evaluation, further rewards in addition to your salvation, well, then he's going to have to reward you according to not only your good works, but your bad as well. And what will that look like? Is he going to try to outweigh your bad works with enough good works? Is that how you're going to approach that kind of a decision or that kind of a conversation that you will have with the Lord? He is going to make a decision. I do believe that he will make a decision, that he will provide people with salvation, and that he will provide people with rewards. I do believe in rewards. But I do believe that a person needs to understand the subject of salvation, the decision of salvation, and the decision of rewards in this context, that if it is going to be according to works, then it's going to have to be according to all of them. And we are going to need God, we are going to need a real God in order to be able to distinguish between these things and to be able to make a good and just decision with regards to how he might reward anybody for anything. That will be a decision that he will make, and I do not believe that we will be able to influence that decision. I don't believe that we will be able to make decisions in our own lives make decisions that will contribute very much to the decisions that he will make, at least not in the sense that we will be able to go before him and build a case and say that, in effect, he owes us salvation or he owes us blessings. And I do believe that most people will agree with me concerning owing salvation and owing blessings, but I would like to add to that, owing rewards also. I do believe that there will be rewards, but I don't believe that the criteria will be according to our works as much as perhaps some people would like because of the evil works that people do. There will be rewards for those also if he is going to be true and just. These are the kinds of issues that I believe need to be talked about, that there needs to be conversations about these issues that if a person does have an expectation that they are going to be rewarded by God, that they should at least take some time to have some personal, honest reflection of themselves with regards to the truth and ask the Lord about this to give them some insights about what his perspective is concerning them, their lives, and his rewards that he may want to dispense. When it comes to these rewards, what are these rewards really going to be? Is there going to be something tangible that he conveys? For example, is there going to be some kind of a certificate or an award of some kind, a certificate of achievement or a diploma? Is this going to be something that is framed that you're going to hang on one of your walls in your mansion? Is that what the reward is? I do believe that if we are going to consider rewards, that we should think about what is it really going to be? If you're going to get one, what what is it? Is it some kind of an official document that recognizes achievements that you made? 
I personally don't expect to see that. That is not something that I expect to see. Will it be something that we could describe as wealth? Will it be an item or a set of items that will be of value that perhaps we might be able to trade with each other? Is that what the reward is going to be? Will there be trade in heaven such that people will trade with one another, exchange things that they consider to be of value to one another in order to have some sense of commerce or some sense of increase in life in that way? I don't personally expect that the rewards will be some item or some set of items that we would consider to be wealth in that way. I don't think that that's going to be the case, but there might be some people who are wanting to think of the rewards in that sense, and I think it's important for you to consider it. Is it going to be some tangible object that would be described as wealth? And if it is, what are you going to do with it? What is going to be the purpose of it? Will it be a trophy or maybe something smaller like a medal? Is it going to be something that will take up space in your new home, in your new mansion? Is that what this thing is going to be that we call a reward? We don't have enough information to know. But when we use a word such as reward, then in our present life, we do have descriptions of what these rewards might be what they might look like and what their functional use might really have in our personal lives. And for the Lord to use a word such as that in our language, in our vocabulary, in our understanding, it could be that he is using a definition for that word that we use amongst ourselves in order to convey the idea that he is going to be giving us something that's going to take up space and he's going to have to give us a little bit of extra space that he might otherwise not give us if he's got a lot of rewards for us to receive when we go to heaven. These are some issues that might need to be brought up. There is the subject of crowns. On occasion, we have the word crown that is used in the scriptures to describe something that is given to someone. And so maybe it is that. It could be that the rewards will be represented as a crown of some kind. And if you've only got one head, you're going to have to wear one on one day and maybe another on another day, that, that kind of thing. I don't know what that might look like or how that may play out, but there is the description of crowns. For example, in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 25, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. And so we could say that we're going to receive, or some people will receive, as a reward, an imperishable crown, which could suggest the other ones are perishable perhaps, you're going to receive an imperishable crown for your temperance, for the race that you run, that this would be something that you would get and someone else might not get. For Paul to use this illustration in this way might suggest these things. I personally believe that he is describing this as an abstraction and that you are not necessarily going to receive a specific crown of imperishableness that there will be a crown for the race that you run, for the temperance that you impose on yourself, you're not necessarily going to receive an actual crown. To me, this is a description that Paul gives 
in order to describe the enthusiasm that we should have as if we were going to receive such a thing. We might receive such a thing. The Lord may give a crown for this purpose in this way, under this description. I do not see enough information available in the scriptures to be able to say with absolute certainty that these crowns do exist and he's going to pass them out. I don't see enough, but he might do that. But regardless of whether he does or he doesn't, the decision will be his. It will not be a decision based on him owing you something. It will be a gift, in effect, a reward as an acknowledgement for something that took place, for decisions that you made. He will be under no obligation to dispense these things. But I want to acknowledge that there are passages in the scriptures that such things might exist and they might be given as rewards. Another idea of a crown as being a reward is given in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 18 through 20, for example, where it says, Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. This is a passage that's quoted in order to talk about a crown of rejoicing. That there is a crown of rejoicing that the Lord will give to people as a reward. I personally don't see that here, but there are people who do read this in that way and suggest that there exists a crown of rejoicing. Personally, I think that what he's doing is he's using this word in this phrase as an abstraction to describe what he believes he will receive as a reward, in effect, for being in their presence, for having them in his life. That the reward, in effect, is that they will be in the presence of, of the Lord Jesus together. At the end of verse 19, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy, that they, in effect, are the reward, not the crown itself, but they, the people, are the reward. And that is a form of a reward, that Paul spoke to them about the gospel. He spoke to them about the Lord Jesus about the truth of who he is, what he has done, what he has given, that is a reward in and of itself that Paul would be able to have the privilege of sharing those things with the people and even a reward in and of itself that they would believe and that they would be a part of the family of God and would be in the presence of the Lord Jesus, that that is a reward that the Apostle Paul can experience by his efforts. The Lord Our God does not need to give Paul a specific crown of rejoicing as a reward that he would dispense to Paul at some specific time after Paul enters into the kingdom of heaven and the decision is official that Paul definitely does have a place there, that the Lord would then dispense a crown. He would hand it over to Paul and say, Paul, this is for you. This is a reward for the things that you did, for the work that you did on my behalf there on earth during your life while you were there. This is a crown of rejoicing. I don't think that that is what he is referring to here. But there are people who do believe that there is such a thing and that it will exist. I personally am not confident that there is such a crown as that. But if there is, I certainly will not be disappointed. 
There are other passages that speak about crowns that we might receive as rewards. For example, the idea of a crown of righteousness. This was expressed in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, where it says, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay, so there could very well be a crown of righteousness. But this is going to be for anyone who loves his appearing. He puts in here the criteria, the idea of the criteria that God will use in order to decide who is going to get this crown. It's going to be everyone who loves his appearing. And so, is it going to look like this? The idea in heaven is that we're going to have some people who have the crown of righteousness and other people who don't. Or maybe most of the people have the crown of righteousness and only a few people don't have this crown. What would that say? That would say, oh, look, those are the people who don't have the crown. See those people? Those are the ones who did not love his appearing. I don't think that's what we're going to be looking at. I don't think that's what we're going to be dealing with. Righteousness is something you get because of what God did for us. We have righteousness. We have righteousness. If he officiates it, if he crowns us with a specific crown that declares that we have righteousness, is that going to take away from the righteousness that we already have because of what he did for us through the cross, through the resurrection? Is that going to be the case? I don't think so. I think that Paul is expressing the fact that there will be an acknowledgement. There will be a recognition that the righteous judge will recognize Paul and declare that he is righteous, just as anyone, anyone who loves the appearing of the Lord Jesus. There's the idea of a crown of glory. This was conveyed in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, where it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. All right, here we have another crown that could be described as being imperishable. That might take away a little bit, take away a little bit of the value of the imperishable crown if we were to look at it from that point of view. I don't think that that is what the Lord is intending to say, though. He says to me that there will be an acknowledgement, there will be a recognition, a declaration of glory, that there were people who shepherded the flock, and they did so meeting this criteria, that they did so willingly, that they didn't do it for dishonest gain, they weren't lording over the people who they were discipling, they were examples. That is an opportunity for recognition, And there may very well be a specific crown. I'm mentioning this because it is in the scriptures and we should look at it from that point of view. But again, if these are people who love the Lord's appearing, they're also going to have the crown of righteousness. And on occasion, they might have to swap the two. I don't know. I really don't know what that's going to look like. I can only tell you that these are some things that should be considered and that we could perhaps have conversations about them. And then there's the crown of life. Revelations chapter 2 verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, 
The devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. James also mentioned this, chapter 1, verse 12, in his letter, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so in the Revelation and in James, there is a mentioning of a crown of life as a result of enduring temptation or because of the way that you handled your imprisonment, because you were not afraid of the things that you were about to suffer. This is criteria that people could look at that does suggest rewards that could be received in heaven in the context of crowns, whether these are actual physical crowns of some kind or they are abstract descriptions of recognition, I think is still a little uncertain. But it is something that we can have conversations about, and we can ask the Lord to give us some more insights concerning these issues. In the next program, I'll talk about this subject from the point of view of debt, when we believe that God owes us rewards. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,